since it is Father's Day today, the Lord has given me a message for the occasion. We've only got two or three messages left in Jeremiah, so we'll hopefully finish that before the summer. But for this morning, it's the reading and the last verse in Luke 12, and it's more of a message for those of us who are believers, but there is still something here for you if you're not yet a believer. Let's read again, John 12, 32. Fear not, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The first thing I want to say is that it's a little flock. The people of God are often compared in the Bible to sheep, a flock of sheep. That's why I read at the start from Psalm 100, we are the sheep of his pasture. And we're just a little flock of sheep. Now, you may think, Pastor, that's not right. We are a goodly congregation here this morning compared to many other places that I'm eating. But in comparison to the outside, we are a little flock. The stereophonics in the stadium last night had much more than this, and they played for two nights. So we are a small group in comparison. And I can't explain this. I know when at the last day, those who are saved and those who are not saved will be counted, I believe that there will be more saved. Uh, Otherwise, God won't have all the glory. But still, we are little, aren't we? Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ in comparison to those round about us. Little in number. It, It was true for Jesus. When Jesus was a minister, he was here for three years ministering, And he never had 3,000 converted under one sermon. One of his most powerful sermons in John 6 caused the majority of his listeners to abandon him. So it was just a little flock that Jesus had. I see the condescension of Jesus Christ that he said to his disciples, greater works than me you shall do. When the Spirit came and Since then, there have been greater numbers. But Jesus only had a little flock. May that encourage you if you uh, don't see many conversions. And then they were just little in terms of their position in society. Little wealth. Little social status. Who, Who were these people that Jesus was speaking to? Who is this congregation that Jesus is speaking to this morning through his word? We're not the great and the good, are we? I hope you're not offended by me saying that. But I'm simply repeating what God says. God has chosen the foolish things of the world, the weak things of the world, the base things of the world. Praise be to God. It was fishermen, tax collectors. They might have been a bit more well-off, but they were the off-scouring of society in Jesus' day. They were called Galileans. Do, do, Do you know 
Galileans spoke with a country dialect. They were country bumpkins, not city slickers. And then they were little in terms of how they viewed themselves. You know, sheep, they, they don't have high view of themselves, do they? And this ragtag group of disciples, oh, can I just mention some of them? Uh, I, I, I don't want to think of us as a congregation, but we can see some of us in these disciples, can't we? Uh, what about uh, Peter? Oh, um, how impulsive Peter was, always putting his foot in it and regretting what he had done. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? These weren't whiter than white people. And then there was Doubting Thomas, a man paralyzed by his fears. And what about John and James, the two brothers? Jesus gave them a nickname, the Sons of Thunder, because they always fell out with each other. They always lost their tempers. And Mary Magdalene, one of the ones that loved Jesus the most, she had a checkered history, didn't she? It was that kind of congregation that Jesus had, and he referred to them as a little flock. It wasn't the great and the good of the day. It wasn't the religious sorts of people. And what about us? Aren't we just the same? Aren't we? Prone to wonder, Lord. I feel it. How pathetic we are often as sheep. There's a word, isn't there, to describe sheep? Tup. That's a Welsh word for um, st stupid. How tup we are. Always falling into the same sins. Let us take encouragement this morning. Jesus Christ addressed his congregation as little flock. May we take encouragement as well. And then he says, fear not. So not only are we a little flock, <laughs> but we're fearful, we're fearful this was true of the group that Jesus had. They were full of anxieties. Have you come here this morning with a burden of care? I'm sure a number of you here, because I'm one of them, are afraid of the future. Aren't you looking at the geopolitical situation that we're in? There could be another war in Europe. The financial situation, the cost of living, fear of the future. And then we may just have feelings of inadequacy. Every time I step into this pulpit, I would rather die than preach. And I'm sure some of you have a feeling of being completely, completely useless. And then there is stress at work. Some of you may have lost your job since lockdown. There are uh, family conflicts. There is uh, loneliness uh, and then, of course, as we've had in the notices, those who are grieving at the loss of loved ones, those who are sick, and how any of us can be struck down by illness, and ultimately, the fear of death, the grim reaper. There is no escape from our appointments with death. I'm so glad the Bible isn't a Walt Disney book, but that it's real. 
It's real. And one theologian, he's had a bad press, John Calvin, he wrote this. He could have been writing about us today. Inasmuch are the evils that beset human life. And then he lists innumerable too, the deaths that threaten it. We need not go beyond ourselves since our body is the receptacle of a thousand diseases. A man cannot go about unburdened, for what else would you call it when he neither freezes nor sweats without danger? Isn't that true after COVID? You've never got so worried about a cough, have you, since COVID? And then he goes on to say, he's writing a few centuries ago, embark upon a ship if you go on a plane today. You are one step away from death. <laughs> Mount a horse. If one foot slips, your life is imperiled. Go through the city streets. You are subject to as many dangers as there are tiles on the roofs. All the fierce animals, and he's not just thinking of dogs, you see are armed for your destruction. But if you try to shut yourself up in a walled garden, thinking that you're safe, there is a snake sometimes lying hidden that can bite you. You have a danger of fire. Your house can fall down. And then he ends by saying, I pass over poisonings, ambushes, robberies. Amid these tribulations, must not man be most miserable? Since but half alive in life, he weakly draws his anxious and languid breath as if he had a sword perpetually hanging over his neck. Wow. I'm afraid to step out of the door. If you're not afraid, you should be. And then if you're a believer, there are fears that are unique to us, aren't there? We might be afraid because we're so few. We're so few in comparison to those who are outside. And we are just so tempted, aren't we? I'm going to think about this tonight. But those who would have stood with us many years ago, where are they now? Many people who professed to be Christians when I was in university, those who were presidents of CUs, they're nowhere now. And I may fear, Lord, am I going to make it? If better people than me have fallen, how can I be sure that I'm going to make it? Well, I don't want to uh, cause you to get even more depressed. That's not my intention, believe it or not. Jesus says, fear not. Jesus didn't say, you think it's bad, it's going to get worse. He wasn't a prophet of doom. He said, fear not, fear not. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but we can see something of the heart of Jesus here. You see, the enemies of the church were saying, ah, you're just a little flock. You're just insignificant. You're never going to make a difference. You're never going to keep on standing for Jesus Christ. But Jesus uses the term little, a term of derision, and he turns it around and makes it a term of endearments. Now, if you're Welsh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, there's an elderly lady up in North Wales. She's always praying for me. And do you know what she calls me? Win Bach. 
Winbach. It doesn't sound right in English, little win. But in the Welsh language, it's a term of endearment. Winbach. Did, did Mr. Hyam used to say plantos? Plantbach? Do you want to know Jesus' heart towards you this morning? Little flock. I love you, he says. I'm concerned for you. You may feel yourselves to be insignificant, so weak, so pathetic, so broken. Remember what was said of Jesus? He will not break a bruised reed. You, you feel, oh, I can't do anything for you, Lord. I'm not like a pipe organ. I'm a broken reed. I can't give off wonderful music like the pipe organ does. All I can give out is whatever a sound a broken reed gives. And Jesus says, don't worry. I will make use of you. I'm the one who heals the brokenhearted. I'm the one who can use those who think they're insignificant. I'm the one who can transform them. You may think you're a little flock, but it doesn't matter. You've got a big shepherd. My friends, there are congregations, one of the smallest congregations I've preached in, and I love going there, is in Mid Wales, and they're only four or five now. They're only four or five. But let me tell you, that's a big congregation in God's eyes. Because if you're small in number and if you've got a big God in your midst, it doesn't matter. Do you know Jesus Christ is with us this morning? Even if we don't feel his presence, he's promised where two or three are gathered. We're more than that. There I am. What was it that was said in the Presbyterian Conference last week? Some of uh, our officers attended a Presbyterian Conference. Did the pastor open the service by saying, God is, is God present with us? Asking the congregation the question, is God present with us? And the congregation would answer in return, yes, he is present indeed. I'm paraphrasing a bit. What a way to start the service. So, little flock, fear not. I am your shepherd. I am the great shepherd of the sheep. He's not just a good shepherd. I'm the great shepherd of the sheep. You don't have to fear the wolves. They are there. And the wolves in sheep's clothing. You don't have to be afraid of getting deceived. I'm the one who will protect you. I'm the one who has the rod. Yes, that rod sometimes does chastise us, but that rod also comforts us. It keeps us on the straight and narrow. I know the way I'm taking you. I am far-sighted. I'm never short-sighted. I'm never dim-sighted. Do you know what he says to us this morning? Lie easy. Lie easy, little flock. Can you relax this morning? I don't think we're very good at resting in the Lord, are we, as believers? I find it quite ironic that as believers who believe in our heads the sovereignty of God, in our lives we give the impression that we don't believe that God is in complete control. And then there are believers in places like Moldova who don't have a reformed understanding of these things, but by their lives they show that they really believe that everything that happens to them is under the control of God. Lie easy, lie easy. And then Jesus gives a reason. He just doesn't say, fear not. He does. 
he doesn't just say uh, Heathbach, Heathbach, not just uh, congregation, but he'll name you, won't he? My sheep hear my voice. They, they know me. But he gives a reason, and the reason is this. Fear not, little flock. There's a kingdom to be given you. There's a kingdom to be given you. Now, these people were Jews. So when Jesus was saying, you're going to have a kingdom, they would think back to their father Abraham, wouldn't they? Didn't God promise to Abraham a land, the land of Canaan? So Jesus here is promising a kingdom. Now, they got it wrong when Jesus was on earth. They thought he was going to give them an earthly kingdom. What, what did Lex Luthor ask? What was it Lex Luthor in one of the Superman films? He asked for Australia, didn't he? Wouldn't you mind having Australia? I think it'd be too hot. And there's the snakes and the spiders and the jellyfishes and the crocodiles. I'm not sure I'd want Australia. But these men were thinking of a land. A land. Now, what is Jesus saying? Now, look at the way he puts it. He doesn't say, my father's going to give you a kingdom. Often Jesus would refer to the father as my father. What does he say? He says, your father. Isn't that interesting? What he's saying is, my father is your father. Now, do the maths here. If Jesus' father is our father, what does make that make Jesus? I know he's our saviour, but that makes Jesus our brother. You've got an older brother. I never had an older brother. I had a younger sister. I've have, I still have a younger sister even. But you've got an older brother in Jesus Christ. Now, this, this is where the metaphors uh, are so uh, inadequate. So even in this verse we're looking at this morning, God, when we come to believe in him, is our shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. God is our father, and if he gives us a kingdom, what does that make God? That makes God the king. So in one verse, we have God as our shepherd, father, and king. What a combination. What a combination. You know, those men who translated our Bibles for the first time into our language, William Morgan in Welsh, Tyndale in English, they had to invent new words because there were no words in the language at the time uh, to describe what the Bible has wonderful. And what I'm trying to say is, we're not just given a kingdom, are we? We're adopted into a family. Let, let me use this illustration, if, if I can get it right. When Iranians come to this country, they come as refugees, and they have to apply for a visa. Have I got that right? In order to have permission to stay in this country. When we are converted, we are translated from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of Christ. So don't think about a land at the moment. Just think about two countries. I was in one country, and the devil, the prince of the power of the air, ruled that country. And now, the moment I believed in Jesus Christ, the moment my sins were forgiven, the moment the Spirit entered into my heart and I was born again, I'm in another kingdom. Am I a refugee in that kingdom? Not at all. I'm a full citizen. Full citizen. I don't apply for a visa, a short-term stay. I'm given a full passport. Praise God. 
Once in Christ, once an onion, as C.S. Lewis said. Once in him, in him forever. Once an onion, always an onion. We are full citizens. And then this is the amazing thing. Not only are we citizens for life, for eternity, but we are made members of the royal family. And we are given the position of sons. Adopted sons. God makes slaves. That's what we were in the kingdom of Satan. And elevates them to become the partners of his throne. One day we will have a throne. You know, my father is so good. My earthly father. So kind, giving me cars. I had bikes when I was young. And then when I grew up, I had cars. But this father gives a house, not just a house, a mansion, not just a mansion, but adoption into a family, and not just adoption, but a throne, not just a throne, but a crown, a crown of glory that the great shepherd will one day give. What a prospect. Uh, Any illustrations from this life fall short, don't they? Angelina Jolie, was it Angelina Jolie or Madonna, I can't remember, who went to Namibia, a very poor African country, and adopted a child. I don't think they're living in poverty anymore. That's what God has done to you and me in Jesus Christ. The kingdom, the kingdom. Jesus said, the kingdom has come. So when Jesus Christ came into this world 2,000 years ago, the kingdom, the place where God rules, absolutely came. Uh, that's, That's the key. That was a royal visit, unlike any other royal visits. The king of kings becoming one of us and going to the cross and on that cross taking the sins that we deserve, taking the punishment in order that we might be forgiven and might have a place in heaven. But then Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of God is in you. And that's another thing that happens to us, not just because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago by his life and his death for us, but when Jesus comes into our hearts by his spirit, he rules in us. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. So at this moment, if I'm in Christ, if I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ, I'm born again. I have Christ in me and I'm forgiven. I'm as forgiven as those that are in heaven. But I'm not perfect. I'm, as it were, waiting. Uh, Think of Prince Charles waiting. He's had a long wait, isn't he? waiting to inherit (laughs) the kingship and we are waiting and one day when we leave this world behind John had to wait didn't he 102 102 years old and now he's inherited fully the kingdom Uh, an inheritance undefiled that fades not away reserved in heaven for you can you see Christian, if you feel inadequate, if you feel small, if you feel pathetic, can't you see? You've got a reason to rejoice this morning. Can't you see? Lift up your head, we said in the first hymn. Because not only is the Lord king, the Lord is shepherd, the Lord is father, and the Lord has given us a kingdom. 
Th that's what Billy Bray really understood. Billy Bray didn't have a degree in theology, did he? He had a BA. He was born again. He had a PhD as well. Power to heal and deliver. But Billy Bray really understood the theology of the hearts. He really reveled in the fact that he had a father in heaven and that it wasn't just any father, it was the king. And Billy Bray would go around, wouldn't he, saying to the greats and the good of this world, I be the king's son, I be the king's son. Billy Bray wouldn't go in someone's house through the trades and entrance through the back door. He would knock the front door because he was a king's son. You can see people who've been brought up in privilege, and you can certainly see in the members of the royal family, they, their very demeanour shows that they know who they belong to. Listen, you belong, you belong to a greater king, a greater king. And then very quickly, because we've got communion, there's something else here, isn't it? It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We don't believe in liberal theology, right? Liberal theology denied the Bible as the word of God. But we believe in a liberal God. What does that mean? We believe in a God who's not stingy. He gives and gives and gives again. What is this kingdom? Do I have to pay? Did you have to renew your passports after locked? I had to renew my passports. And I had to pay. And the price has gone up. It wasn't a free gift to renew my passport. I don't know how much, how much does British citizenship cost? It's not, it's not free, is it? If you, you, I don't know. I'm, uh, the free gift of God is the salvation in Jesus Christ. <sighs> You may not have a British citizenship, but there's a citizenship in the kingdom of God for you this morning, for free, for free. Jesus paid by his own blood. You may not have much in this world. You may not have much of a house, but there's a mansion being prepared for you. You may not have an easy life. Uh, you may have had health problems, chronic conditions. But there is a prospect in heaven where you're going to have a body that's going to be perfect. No pain, no arthritis, no sleepless nights, no sorrows of the mind, no tears, no sin. Wonderful. And we're going to receive a crown. Well, let me just close. We're going to sing this in a minute. Is this your response? Saviour, if of Zion's city, I through grace a member am. That's how we receive this kingdom. It's by grace, undeserving merits a gift that we don't deserve i didn't deserve a car you should see the way i drive definitely don't deserve a car so that's a bit undeserving but this gift is 100 percent undeserving the fact is these disciples were an undeserving lot 
but Jesus gave them in grace, and he gives to you. My friend, if you're not yet in the kingdom, to be in church is not the same as being in Christ. My longing for every single person here this morning, whatever your background, is that you will find yourself in the kingdom. How do I get into the kingdom? Unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. How can I be born again? You can't make yourself born again. You didn't make yourself born into this world. How does it happen? You ask Jesus Christ to save you. Ask. We sung that lovely hymn in the children's talk. Ask for the spirits to make you born again, and it shall be given to you. Have you asked God? Have you uh, sought Have you sought this as you seek something that you really want? Have you knocked? Have you knocked? Lord, open the door to heaven. I don't deserve it, but Lord, I've heard about Jesus Christ. I've heard that he came not to call the righteous, but sinners like me to repentance. And I'm knocking on heaven's door. And he will open, he will open, he will open it wide. And he will not just say, come in. I've got a little terraced house for you because you don't deserve anything else. He will say, oh no. Like the father in the parable, he will say, kill the fatted calf. Have a celebration. Dress this person in the costliest of garments and give them the golden ring. I'm making you my son. And if you are, if you are in the kingdom, you probably have noticed that I'm Welsh. Have you, have you noticed that I'm Welsh? Yeah, you have. And you've probably noticed that I'm proud to be Welsh. I'm proud to be Welsh. And there are other nationalities here, and I'm hoping you're proud to be English, or proud to be Iranian, or proud to be whatever your nationality. But you know what? I'm much more proud to be a Christian. Mere, Richard Baxter said, mere Christianity. That's it, isn't it? It's not just Christianity. It's simple Christianity. That's, that's the key. Just to be Christ's. Are you proud to be a Christian? Are you so proud that you're a Christian that you can't help telling others? that you are Christ. That's what we are as a church. We are Christ's. And every other church that professes the name of Jesus Christ, we join with as well. May God draw near to us, and may we realize, however little we may feel ourselves, however fearful we may be, may we realize that we've got something the world doesn't know anything about, Fading is the worldling's pleasure, all his boasted pomp and show, solid joys, and lasting treasure. None but Zion's children know. Much better than a Maserati. Uh, Let's sing now uh, that hymn, Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God, he whose word cannot be broken, formed thee for his own abode. Let's sing 333 if you're tuning in at home.